This is Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome, and maybe even kicking your corporate stooge job to the curb. Hi, Hattie Cook. How are you? Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm fine. I'm Dan Benjamin. This is episode 119 of uh, Quit. We've done a lot of these. I know we have. And here, here we are doing one more. One more. But that's all right. We like it. We like doing these because we like talking to people. We like getting feedback. And you know what? If you have uh, questions or comments or thoughts or problems you'd like our help solving, my help, my wisdom. And my not really wisdom, but enthusiasm. Then you can go to 5by5.tv slash contact. You'll see the list of shows that we do there. You'll find quit in the list. Click that. It'll put a special subject line. It'll send the email to me. I'll read the email and then I'll help you. And so will Hattie. And we love that. That's great. So thanks. Thanks for doing that. Thanks to everyone who's been sending those in. Keep them coming because we need to do a big listener feedback episode. So, yeah, before the end of the year. Yeah. So send those in like now, like start sending them in. If you can hear the sound of my voice, you may never <laughs> get an, You know what? You may never get another chance. We may ne- we. We may do one more episode of Quit and never do another one. This is your, think of it like that. This is your last chance. This is your last chance to do it. So send those things in immediately. I'm not kidding. He's not kidding. He's not playing around. Can't you hear it in his voice? Are you sending me the reads? Yeah, of course. Okay, thank you. Of course, of course. All right. I I have a bunch of articles here, a bunch of stuff I want to talk about, a bunch of things that I want to tell the listeners about but i'm not sure where to start okay i'll start with this one because it's like it's a quick it's a quick win this is an article that says stop looking for a perfect resume or a perfect employee focus on value on the value a person can bring this is a quote by bridgette hyacinth and this is an article that is uh, on LinkedIn.com. They have some good stuff over there. You know, sometimes LinkedIn gets a bad rap, but I, I think... I think they share really good like business articles. They really and, have great yeah. business articles on there these days. And I'll just, I'll jump in. I'll read a little bit of this article. It's, it's inter- interesting. It says, the interview, this is written by Oleg Vishnopolsky. The interview was not going well. The candidate did not answer simple questions. Then he said, I'm sorry. I understand you will hire someone else. You need the best candidate. I really need this job. I don't know what I'll tell my wife. I've been looking for a long time. I applied to no less than a thousand jobs. This was my first interview in the last six months. I said, you are the best candidate. Your resume and past track record are spectacular. You passed the technical interview with Flying Colors. My team would be really thrilled if you join us. And as far as I'm concerned, you just passed the personal interview with Flying Colors too. Honesty, tenacity, and modesty. The best qualities in any team, but particular for a QA manager. And he says he was the best QA manager I ever had. The best diamonds are found in their rough. To see the resume, we need to use our eyes. To see the real person, we need to use our hearts. Stop looking for the perfect resume or the perfect employee. Focus on the value a person can bring. What a neat sentiment. What a nice idea that maybe you're hiring a person and not a resume. 
Maybe you're hiring a human being and not an education or a, or a job. You're hiring a person. And what do you look for when that person comes in, sits down and talks to you across the desk? What are you looking for? That's what really counts. The most valuable skill I've found in my own career and in working with other people whom I admire The most valuable skill is rarely something that's on someone's resume. It's the ability to learn. It's the ability to adapt. Adapting is a kind of learning. It's the ability that a person has to be put into a situation and say, you know, I'll I'll figure this out. I can tell you that when I started getting, I really wanted to get into Unix system administration. I loved it. I loved Unix. I had uh, been teaching it to myself with FreeBSD and Linux. And I was so determined to learn how to get really good at this stuff. I wanted to get really good. I, I had used SunOS, which later was called Solaris, but I had really cut my teeth on like SunOS 4.1.3, 4.1.2. On these old Spark stations. And I'd learned them in college. Just on my own. And then. I wanted to keep doing this. I loved it. I wanted to get into Unix. Unix system administration. Linux Linux was not a thing yet. I spoke at Linux Expo in 2000. But we'll get to that in a second. These things were very much fringe. Like the idea of running Unix on a. A PC on PC hardware was like, wow, that's weird. Like, why would you do that? And there were very few Unixes or Unix-like systems that could run on that. So you know what I did? I went and I found, I bought used an old 386 PC. And I brought it to work and I put it under my desk. And I installed FreeBSD and later I experimented with Slackware Linux. And I installed these things on it. And I put it on the network and then I could connect to it. And so every spare minute that I had, I would spend time just learning, reading the manual pages. Because back then, the resources that we had online weren't that good. You had to go to the Barnes & Noble and buy a book. But that's what I would do. And so any chance that I got, whether it was at lunchtime, before work, after work, I sat there reading these books, typing in commands. Okay. What is UFS dump? You know, just learning stuff. Just seeing what would happen. Teaching it and doing it in a place that was safe. That if I completely screwed up this machine that was under my desk, like no big deal. I'll just reinstall the operating system again and I'd learn something else by doing that. Putting in that kind of a time. So that then when I applied for a job that would finally make use of my new but quite strong system administration skills... What could I put on the resume about it? Nothing. I'd be lying if I put down that I was Unix sysadmin for company XYZ because I wasn't. And I was self-taught. There was no course back then to take. But I certainly hadn't taken a course. But I was better than almost anybody else that I knew except for maybe one other person. I knew more about Linux, BSD Unix, SunOS, Solaris. I knew more than anybody else that I knew at the time. So I was very confident that I could do whatever was required of me in some kind of network and system administration job. 
And so the people who hired me next, you know, I told them that. I said, I, I have this much experience doing it. I'm very good at it. And I'm very confident in my ability, although it hasn't been part of my regular job. And they were willing to take a chance on me because I think they identified that I had that ability and interest in learning. Well, and you probably weren't lying to them. You were being straight about what, you know, about your abilities. You weren't over-embellishing or anything. You said, I can do this. Right. And isn't that better than to say, oh, I've been a system administrator for two years, even though for a year or so I'd been spending every single day doing it. I, I wasn't doing it as part of my job. So I had to, I had to explain that. But that ability to learn, that's your, that is your best skill. When you go into that interview and they say, what do you think is your best skill? You say, my ability to learn, my ability to adapt. Because if you have that and you're good at adapting, if you're good at getting into a situation and saying to yourself, you know what, I don't know what they're going to expect of me, but I'm going to figure it out no matter what, like I can handle this. This is my skill set coming into this job. But guess what? This job involves something else. You don't want to be one of those people who's like, that's not my job. That's not, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm a system analyst too. This is what I do at this job. Right, I don't do your job. I don't do this other, that's something that, that's another group, that's another department. I want to be able to do a little bit of everyone's job. And if not, you go into it and you say, you know, the, the toughest thing for me when I was starting my career was to admit that I didn't know things. Yeah. And a big part of that was ridicule or suspicion of ridicule, I should say. Not suspicion. The fact that I thought that I might get ridiculed. Right. Potential? Potential. Thank you, Hattie. Pretty good for a Friday afternoon. (laughs) And I would be very hesitant to say, well, I don't know it. And I knew that there were big gaps in what I knew, because I was, for the most part, when it came to computers, which is the field I was in, I was mostly self-taught. And I had followed my interests. I had followed the things that I thought were interesting or cool or fun. And I learned a lot about those, and I was quite good at those. But then the things that weren't that interesting, I knew almost nothing about. So, for example, I was a system administrator. I was a network administrator. But... I really didn't know very much about, say, routing, building routing tables, configuring Cisco routers. That was not just not interesting to me. I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. So I never bothered to learn it. And these days, you wouldn't really need to know much about it. But back then, that was one of the tent poles almost of being a good network engineer was like knowing, at least knowing a decent amount about that. But because it wasn't interesting to me, I had never bothered to learn it because again, I was self-taught. I was... You got to pick and choose. Right, I was driving my own learning. And so I remember being in a few different situations where, you know, I was people that I was working with and we always do work in this one big, big kind of room. It was not, it was almost like a, what do they call those, Hattie, where it's like, is it mixed use offices where they're kind of like in a warehouse district and yeah you know and like it's a warehouse but you go in and it's set up like an office it was like a big room and i remember there were guys in there who'd been doing unix system administration and stuff and software development for years and years and years and years and i realized very quickly that these people for me 
these were the most knowledgeable people that I knew. Now, these were the folks that knew everything that I wanted to learn. And if they'd say something, and at first they'd say, oh, you know, you know about such and such. And I'd be like, yeah, of course I know about that. Gosh, what do you think? Like, of course I know about that. And then I'd like frantically go and get a book on it after work and read it. And then the next day, yeah, I would know it, you know, or I'd know enough to talk about it. But I started to realize that that wasn't a very effective way to do things. It was better to say, you know, Elliot, I've actually never actually done that before. Done that before. Can you show me what I need to know or can you explain it? And here's the thing, especially in the computer space, nothing makes a computer nerd salivate like being asked to explain something that they think is complicated and, and that important. they know how to do. Right. People love talent showing people something that they do well. Everyone loves that. Isn't that the truth? So I was going to ask, so are you in the camp of people that would say fake it till you make it or more so just be honest about what you don't know? If you had asked me in the first year of my career, I would have said fake it till you make it all the yeah. way for sure. But after I learned this lesson, totally not. I, I, I think it's absolutely critical that you share what you know and what you don't know. The things that I knew, I knew very well and I was very confident in it. And I'm sure I could have bluffed my way through a lot of stuff, but it became an opportunity to not only learn something new, but to now establish a, a friendship with the person who is teaching me something. Yeah. Because what you're really doing is you're saying, honestly, I don't know that, but I, I see that you know it. Right. Can you teach it to me? I would love that. And then the person says, yeah, I'll teach it to you. But what that also does is that that opens up the possibility for there to be a two-way street because there's going to be something you know that they don't. And eventually they're going to say, well, you know, Dan didn't understand this and he didn't understand the other thing because he never had any experience. I don't understand how to do this thing that he does. Now I want to go to him as the expert and be taught it. Now, of course, there's the opportunity that the person is going to be like, how did you get your job if you don't know how to do that? But you know what? It's too late. You already have the job right, and they're like, not going to fire you because you don't know it. So just take that opportunity to build the other person up. Make them feel, well, you've right. got so much more experience than me. And, and Who better to learn know, it from? I, I'd love to learn it from you. You know more than about that than anybody I've ever met. Wow. That's right. a nice compliment, especially when it's true. So that's a little takeaway. They call that a takeaway, Hattie. Oh, a little takeaway. And we've been talking about learning. It's a perfect segue into our next sponsor. Say, it's LinkedIn Learning. You don't have to go to the bookstore anymore. You don't. And who wants to go to the bookstore? <laughs> what bookstore? That's the better question. What bookstore? You mean Amazon? That's the only bookstore around. But there's a better way to learn. Way better. There's a way better way to learn. I don't know about you, Hattie, but the way that I learn best is by learning from an expert, learning from somebody who can show me how to do something and say, this is the way I do it because I'm a pro and I've been doing this forever. Here's how I do it. I like the visual aspect of it. Yeah. Watching someone do something is the best way for me to learn. And, and you get to hear their voice. You get to see what they're doing. That is what LinkedIn Learning is all about. They acquired lynda.com. Love Linda. So all of the content in Linda has morphed now into LinkedIn Learning. And it's great. LinkedIn Learning, it's for problem solvers, achievers, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you run your own business. Maybe you're doing freelance. Maybe you just have a side hustle. Everything you need to learn is over there at LinkedIn. You can use it. I have used it to learn extensively Final Cut Pro, but I also used it to learn QuickBooks. And 
tons of really, really great tips. Stuff like Google Analytics are in there. You can learn all the Adobe software in there. You can learn Office. You can learn how to make good AdWords, campaigns, content marketing, SEO. I mean, you name it, they've got a course on it. It's all there. And it's not just computer courses either. Like they have aspects, courses that'll help you with aspects of all of your business, finance, accounting, you name it, they've got a really good course for it. And the courses for cover all experience levels, a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, it's all there. You can download the project files, you can take quizzes to make sure you're actually learning what you're supposed to be learning and you learn at your own pace using the method you prefer. There's even transcripts for every video so you can watch, listen, even just read along. And you get access to all the courses that you want, all for one monthly price. It's available worldwide. You get a free 30-day trial by visiting linkedin.com slash quit, linkedin.com slash quit, all lowercase. You'll get your 30-day free trial and you support this program. So we appreciate it. Thanks very much to LinkedIn for making this program possible. You got that? Love it. Were you just watching a course just now? Yeah. How'd you know? I just, you were so focused. I know. I have a big topic. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I get all these little ones done. Okay. Here's something. Uh, this is by an article by Glenn Leibowitz, who is the McKinsey head of communications. And I thought this was pretty interesting because all of us, I think these days, we're very excited about what the next show is that's going to be coming out on Netflix. Oh, yeah. What's the next Netflix show? But instead of that, what, what if you read a little bit? What if you read a little bit? That's weird, right? I mean, the idea of not watching TV and picking up a book and reading something. Better, for your, better for your eyes. Probably is better for your eyes. But in this article, Glenn writes, uh, he's talking about uh, Henry David Thoreau. And he has a quote from that. He says, in his essay, Reading, Thoreau expounds on why he believes books are so valuable and why reading is such a vital and rewarding activity. For him, the written word is the greatest art form there is, even greater than painting or sculpture. Wow. And here's what Thoreau wrote. No wonder that Alexander carried the Iliad with him on his expeditions in a precious casket. A written word is the choicest of relics. It is something at once more intimate with us and more universal than any other work of art. It is the work of art nearest to life itself. It may be translated into every language and not only be read, but actually breathed from all human lips, not be represented on canvas or in marble only, but be carved out of the breath of life itself. The symbol of an ancient man's thought becomes a modern man's speech. Pretty cool. Yeah. And think about it. You know, at nighttime, TV shows, they kind of, they can, they have the potential to amp you up and wake you up. But we talked in our last episode about the, uh, the glasses yes. that we wear to block the blue habits. light, uh, good sleep habits. And one of them was reading. One of them was reading. And they talk about how, we talked about how reading. Not can, on your computer. Re- right. <laughs> how it can reduce your stress. By 60%. That's what it said. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and so there is another, uh, another quote here I wanted to read. Uh, Harold Bloom, who is a professor of literature at Yale, author of more literature. than 20 books and Aww. recipient of the MacArthur Genius Award. Uh, 
he wrote in a book called How to Read and Why, which is described here as a book-length meditation on reading, uh-huh. which includes his recommended reading list. He starts with two reasons why we should read. Uh, I'll skip to the second one because I like it. Reading well is one of the greatest pleasures that solitude can afford you because it is, at least in my experience, the most healing of pleasures. It returns you to otherness, whether in yourself or in friends, or in those who may become friends. Imaginative literature is otherness, and as such alleviates loneliness. We read not only because we cannot know enough people, but because friendship is so vulnerable, so likely to diminish or disappear, overcome by space, time, imperfect sympathies, and all the sorrows of familial and passionate life. But isn't that ironic that uh, you can conquer loneliness? Right. By going by and reading hanging out by with yourself. your friends No, the by book. being by yourself with no book. No, I'm saying by hanging with your friends in the book. Oh, in the book. So I like that. Anyway, go read Do you something. have any uh, reading, um, any book recommendations, Dan? Well, you know what I read these days are books I read to my son yeah. at his bedtime. Even though he's good enough to read them now. Like he reads books like this on his own. I still read to him at night. He's 10, but he loves it. I enjoy it too. I get get into the stories. We're really into these Mark Riordan books now. Oh, y'all are still on those. Okay, cool. Well, he's written like a thousand. I was going to say. Because you went through Harry Potter. Rick. Did I call him Mark? Rick Riordan. Yeah, so there's there's all these books. There's um, Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard. There's the Trials of Apollo. There's the Cain Chronicles, the Heroes of Olympus. Uh, great books. All of them are great. I'm reading one right now called Let's Pretend This Never Happened, and it's a, a hilarious, hilarious book by, oh no, what's her name? Oh my gosh. Jenny... I want to say Jenny Wall. Jenny from the block. Yeah. Well, while you look that up, the book I'll put in the show notes is Percy Jackson and the Olympians, five book paperback box set. It's 25 bucks. Nice. For five books. And they're great. Great, fun. Jenny Lawson. Books. And we, uh, we started reading these after we finished the Harry Potter books because a lot of people recommended these to me and I'll recommend them to you. Great books. But it's different from reading like fiction that I'd be interested in like late at night. But anyway, it's in the show notes. Show notes can be found at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 119. I got one more thing to talk about and then we can talk about my big, my big topic. Let's do it. I've been talking about this topic for the last five, three shows. Okay, this is an article by Ryan Carson. Ryan Carson is the founder and CEO of Treehouse. I've met Ryan a number of times back when they used to do those um, Future of Web Apps conferences. Yes. Very nice guy. And uh, he's talking about one of the challenges that he faced running Treehouse. Treehouse is a company that's like uh, teaches you, teaches you things. I guess kind of in a LinkedIn learning sort of a way. So maybe they're a competitor to that. But the... Um, the point is, he says, uh, the title of this article is, Damn, It Takes Forever. One stupidly small step at a time. And it shows his sort of bullet journal. And he says, this year has been very different for me. I hit a wall at Treehouse in 2016 and realized that just because we have a mission that makes the world better doesn't mean we would succeed. Just because I was doing something good 
doesn't mean it was destined to succeed. A flip switched inside me. I, as the CEO, needed to, to get right down in the dirt and start getting Treehouse on people's radar. I needed to sell our product. I needed to start getting a ton of no so I could get a yes. I suddenly realized that this theoretical massive awareness of our school wasn't going to happen quickly. It would be a slow grinding marathon. One email, one tweet, one conversation, one click, one smile, one extra burst of activity, one flight, one meeting at a time. I was going to need to do thousands of small tasks, not one large strategic task. I needed to stop having deep thoughts and just start doing. So this is, this is what he did. Let's listen. Let's hear. He says, I started in December of 2016, getting up at 4.30 a.m. and just working my ass off. One rule, put family first. Everything else would serve this daily commitment to small, consistent, disciplined actions. Today, I had a sales meeting that felt like the culmination of all my sweat, toil, and pain this year. I didn't even close the deal yet. I just sold the next meeting. I know one of those meetings will convert, though, and I'm just going to keep going until it happens. One small note, doing these daily grinding tasks has not gotten any easier. I still don't want to do them. But I love that, and I love that he talks about the, the daily grind of doing, on this, doing a thing that you know you're going to do the next day, and you know you're going to do the next day, but you have to get the no's to get the yes. Right. And I love the line he says, I didn't even close the deal yet. I just sold the next meeting. Right. And that's a big part of business stuff. Just keeping it, keeping, keeping it the going. conversation going. Mm-hmm. I didn't close them today, but they're going to meet with me again. I'll close them then. If I don't close them then, I'll close, close them the, the next, next time. time. Yeah. I can't tell you, and I know you've been on a handful of these with me, Hattie, where we've had meetings or phone calls or things like that, where we would not even talk business at all. We would go and like, like right. some of our stuff that we did in New York. Talk about just you know we flew fun. all the way just to New York. Out. We flew all the way to New York to Austin just to hang out. Yep. We're not trying to close anybody on anything. We just just get to like let's just get to know you guys. You get to know us. We'll just talk. Right? People are like, oh, do you have a presentation? We're like, no. no, I have nothing. We're here just to meet you guys. And they were every single time we said that they were like surprised, so confused. They were ready to be like pressure sailed by us. Like, Which is not our MO. No, not at all. But they were ready to come in. Here's why you need to spend more money with 5x5 five five in 2018. No. Right. We just wanted to like see the office and like, like what's your op- Like, let's go, let's go have some lunch in somewhere. In real life. We'll just hang out and have some lunch. Like, is that before or after the presentation? Right. There's like, no there presentation. Is no, it's not. There's no problem. But it took point. all the pressure off of them. Yeah, it did. They were no longer like, oh, God, we're going to sit through some kind of meeting. No. What we're just going to sit and hang out and talk. And they loved it. We had a great lunch. We had a great time. We oh, got yeah. to meet the whole staff. It snowed. Like, it was just yeah. re- It was just really fun. And what actually I did is I asked them questions. And right. I listened to them talk. I, I said... What kinds of, for example, we were talking about podcasting, of course. So what kind of podcasts have been most successful for you? What kind are you hoping to sponsor in the new year? What direction what could we do what better, could we do better as right. a company that we're not doing? This is not what they expected to hear. What they expected no. to hear was, here's why you need to give us an extra 30% next year over what you spent last right. year. And we didn't do that. And they were very happy that we didn't do that. I thought. What were you going to say? I think I feel like I interrupted you. No, I don't even remember. You don't care either. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't even care. Don't even care. Why don't we take a second to thank our sponsor, Beanstalk? You know about Beanstalk? Yeah, I know about Beanstalk. You do? I do. 
Invest in your future. Build your business know-how now. This is the thing. You're going to invest in the future of your grandchildren, of your children and grandchildren. Give them the business know-how they need to succeed. How? Because you're going to get a basic understanding of accounting. This is vital to people who want to succeed in their career. You have to get your head around accounting. And how do you do that? This is what Beanstalk Know How is all about. This is what they do. They have four modules. The first one, they cover the basics of accounting, like keeping the books. Like, what is that? Why do we do that? Module two, the makeup of financial statements. Like, you need to understand what this stuff means. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I've seen a bank statement before. No, you don't. If you're running a business, it's a whole different world. Module three, they talk about business structure. So important, especially if you're like, oh, I'm a freelancer. I'm not sure what kind of company, but I'll just go do, I'll do an S Corp. I heard that was the right thing. Or no, LLC, that was the right thing. No. Module four, look at the leverage points of the business. Follow the full profit trail and look at what can be done at each leverage point to increase the flow of cash as distinct from profit through the business. This is so important. I know you're like, well, I already got the financial statements. Fine. They're going to help you turn them into tools that help you grow your business. You know, you often have that feeling like there's something missing from my business. I don't know what it is. You're going to figure it out with their course. You're going to figure out what you need to know. So here's what you do. Sign up for their course. It's beanstalkknowhow.com slash quit. Wait no longer. Beanstalkknowhow.com slash quit. Use the promo code quit and you'll get 50% off. I know. The full set bundle, which is normally 495 bucks. This is a great course. You can really, really understand all these details. And you know what? They'll even explain how to like exit your business successfully. It's the full thing. So go check it out. Beanstalkknowhow.com slash quit. Promo code quit to get you 50% off. Thank you very much, Beanstalk Know How. I'm so used to Merlin saying bok bok. I kind of expect you to say it now. I should have my own catchphrase sound. You definitely should. I think it's just a yawn by now. That would be, yeah, just you yawning. You haven't yawned in this episode. I know. See? Why? I don't know. I don't know either. I'm hearing a little something. No, I've been hearing that the last three episodes. Okay. Just don't don't speak. No. No marker. That stays in. Leave that in? Leave it in. I think it's you spinning that uh, fidget spinner the whole time. No, it doesn't make a sound. See? Yeah, I hear that little. That's all right. We're leaving it in. Okay, so here's another article. I don't know if I even want to do that one. Should we talk about Domino's Pizza? Always. Um, Domino's Pizza. I mean, I remember I worked at Domino's Pizza. By the way, full disclosure, I was a Domino's Pizza delivery driver for several years. Um. They have come out with an app. The app has 480,000 reviews. Wow. 480,000 reviews on the Apple App Store. It has 4.8 stars out of five. Nice. Okay. So Domino's was able to do this and also put themselves forward in the very competitive pizza delivery space. How did they do it? What did they do? What's so special about this app? It's all about being transparent. And here's what they did. 
it they opened up the part of their process that used to be closed. They opened up a part of their business that was before invisible and made it transparent. So here's the deal. What happens? Why, first of all, Hattie, why are you ordering a pizza? Because I'm hungry. You're hungry. Wouldn't it be nice if you knew what was going on with that pizza? Was it made? Which stage Where was, was it, it in? How soon is it coming? Oh, yeah, always. Well, if you look at what happens with good package tracking, not the crappy kind, but the good kind, it'll show you, okay, the, you know, the label, was the label was created, waiting for the package. Now we have the package. Now the package is here. Now it's left here. Now, now it's, it's going to be arrived here. at the new place. It's set to arrive here, right. here at this time. Why not do the same thing for pizza? Why not? Well, that's what they did. Brilliant. That's what they did. And they, and in this article, it says before You'd wait at home hungry, wondering when food might arrive. Now you might at least have some satisfaction knowing it's being made or it's on the way. It's transparent. We know what's going on. This establishes trust and we tell others how great it is. So if I were to ask you a question, you can order two different pe- from two different pizza places. They're about the same price, but one of them is going to show you every step of the way where your pizza is and how close it is to yeah, getting to you. Yeah, why not do that one? That's awesome. Or the one that doesn't. Well, of course you're going to do the one that does. Of course you would. Well, also, I think nowadays people are so used to getting updates about everything, packages, um, statuses of things, right. you know, all via email and things like that. So, yeah, I think I think this is brilliant for them to do this. Domino's also launched a baby registry so that friends and oh. family of the new parents can get them something that they need, which is what? Convenient food. You don't want to cook when you have a brand new no, baby. You're trying to time. keep the baby alive. They launched a wedding registry. That went very well. You know, most companies are trying to like automate stuff and send out blast emails and things like that. And emails work. Domino's, they're trying to connect with customers about the, with the important aspects of what's going on in the customer's life. The wedding, the baby. Like they're becoming almost like in a way a lifestyle company. That's fascinating to me. And it's crazy how it was so easy for them to make that jump, you know? Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, there's no way Domino's could do that, but guess so? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Uh, another thing I'll, I'll hit y'all with. Let me put this in the show notes too. Okay. YouTube has 30 million daily site visitors. That's individual human beings going there. That's crazy, isn't it? I'm one of them. I know you're one of them. So are you. I've, ne- I've never been to YouTube. <laughs> well, YouTube has revealed the top videos that went viral in 2017. The top viral video oh, in 2017 <laughs> was a singing man in an oyster costume. Did you know that? No, I thought it was going to be that other one, the one at the top. Uh, the masked performer was a contestant on Thailand's aptly named singing competition show, The Mask Singer. The man in the mask sings until we will become dust, which starts out as a ballad and eventually breaks into a rap. It has over 182 million views on YouTube. Ed Sheeran's Shape of You uh, had a video made with people dancing to that song. It looks like it's from the MC dance crew. Yeah, I place. think it is. I think it is. Or whatever. Millennium dance come to DC. I don't know how to say uh, 
then there's another video that went viral was of a uh, a guy doing like ping pong trick shots. <laughs> they have a video from America's Got Talent. Uh, Ed Sheeran's carpool karaoke. I've never watched carpool karaoke. I can't can't stomach it. <laughs> Lady Gaga's full halftime performance from the Super Bowl. Bad lip reading of the inauguration day. Uh, things like that. Pretty interesting. That's crazy. But what can we learn from those videos? What can we understand? Seems like people like to be entertained. People who are trying, yeah, who are, who are trying to market their own stuff. Like, what can you do? Well, there's uh, there's an article in here that I found where they're talking about that. Oh, you were thinking it was going to yeah, be the... Yeah, I love that's that in, one. That's in the top 10, too. The, there's the video of the guy who was on the BBC News and his kid... Kids runs wander in, in, wander in, and the wife runs in and drags them both. Drags out. them away. <laughs> he wasn't happy, but like he didn't think it was funny no, at all until later. <laughs> but what is it? What is it that that these things have in common? What can we learn as people who were, you know, maybe wanting to market something? How do we make a video that people are going to really want to see? And Here's what it comes down to in this article that I, I have on Inc. Magazine by John White sums it up very nicely. All of the videos in the top 10 stir up people's emotions and create conversations that move people to share. When they see something, they're inspired to then turn around and, and show someone else, show someone else, tell someone else, share it with everyone that they know. Think about it. If that thing that you do, whether it's running, you know, doing a freelance business, a product that you've made, a service, whatever it is, what if you didn't need to spend any money marketing it? You didn't even need to go out and and tell other people about it, that your customers, or maybe even not your customers, that other people are going to like it so much that they're going to want to share it. And the best way that I've found to do that is to eliminate people's pain. Yeah. Fireside, again, I'm just, this is the thing I made, so I'm always thinking about it, but it, I built it to eliminate the pain that people feel after they've recorded their podcast and they want to publish it. Every single other publishing system out there, I'm sorry, they suck. They all suck. You think yours is good? Try Fireside, then you'll see yours sucks. You're just used to it. But it sucks. Sorry. Fireside does not suck. It's actually good. It's easy to use. It maybe is even fun to use. And I see people talking about it all the time. They're talking about it all the time. I'm not asking them to, and there's not even, we're working on it, but there's not even an affiliate program yet. I'm going to be coming out with that pretty soon. But right now there isn't even something like that. And yet people are still saying, you need to, you need to, oh, you have a podcast? You need to go try Fireside. And I mean, nothing makes somebody who's made something feel better than having other people being as excited as they are about it. You know, that's just fun. But if you can make that thing that you do so great that people can't not talk about talk about it. Yeah. So that's the, that's the big tip. 5 billion videos are watched on YouTube every day. Hattie. Wow. 5 billion. Can you imagine? That's a lot of videos. All right. Well, my big, my big topic 
Hattie, is what's on my screen right now? Uh, boots. Boots. So, boots are not something that people think about or talk about a lot. I don't think men's boots. Men's boots. Maybe women's boots. Women's boots. We talk about a lot. <laughs> my son. My son is texting me. He's home and he's texting me. Hold on. I have to reply to him. Otherwise, he'll go away and then he'll be like, "Dad, I texted you. You didn't Aww. answer." And then your heart will break and shatter. Yeah, I don't want to do that. So, the you know, but people like John Roderick, who I do a show with, they do talk about boots. And oh, he's uh, he had some kind of like uh, uh, international fair festival thing at school oh, where fun. like all the kids got assigned different countries and they had to make a dish. Oh, I remember that in school. From that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my wife made noodle kugel for him to bring in. How fun. And it's, it's she made it with a gluten-free pasta and I was like, oh, that's going to suck. No, but the gluten-free pastas good. are good now. It was very good. They used to suck. They're better now. I could eat the whole damn thing. So John Roderick loves to talk about shoes. And, uh, and so I, I remembered after I talked to him about shoes a while ago, I started really re- returning to my childhood, my youth, my misspent high school and college days when I wore boots. That was just pretty much all I wore. And I started remembering that and I started thinking, you know, it's about time I got myself a, a good pair of boots again. I've been without them for too long. And so I spent some time researching the different boots that are available and time and time again. And the pair of boots that I've had are more, for lack of a better term, style, fashion, fashion boots. Uh, not for any kind of They They don't project. last. They don't last. Yeah. They feel comfortable, but they're not. They're for looks. They're for looks. But recently, over the last couple of years, I made a decision, a conscious decision, that everything that I buy, I want it to last. I'm buying it for it to last. I don't want to get anything that's disposable. I don't want to get anything that can't be repaired. I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? I don't right. want anything that is meant to be used one time. I want something that- Like you're not going to get an $8 Target shirt. You're going to get like a $24 Banana Republic or shirt. Or J, J. Crew shirt right. that's going to last- as long as a shirt can possibly Instead last. of four washes. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I want to be able to repair the thing if it if it breaks. If something goes wrong with it, I want to repair it. And, you know, not that long ago, certainly in my childhood, we bought things knowing that they were repairable. It was never a consideration. Well, can you repair it or do you have to get rid of it and replace it? We're in that disposable culture right now where everything is is meant to be thrown out. Used a little bit, thrown away. Oh, it broke, buy a new one. And that leads to everything being cheap and not having good quality. And that sucks. And leads to lots of trash. Trash, waste. waste. I want everything that I have, if possible or where possible, to be replaceable. I want it to be repair, not replaceable. I want it to be repairable, not replaceable. And so... You know, for example, as you know, Hattie, I'm a huge fan of watches. Always. And I've worn a watch on my wrist since I was probably about six, seven years old, almost without exception. And 
the watches that I have nowadays, they're all automatic watches. They can all be serviced and repaired. And I fully intend to leave these watches to my kids, probably my son. I don't think my daughter would want them, but you never know. But I'll be leaving it to my kids and these watches will still work. I have my grandfather's uh, Omega Seamaster 600 that was has been running since the mid to late 50s. That's how long that watch has been running and it still runs. I had it serviced and it runs perfectly. It keeps excellent time. And the watches that I have now, including that one, will still be running when I'm no longer around and my, my son or maybe my daughter has them. If they want to wear them, they'll be there and they'll be working. And I love that idea. Not only my uh, having something now that's useful to me that brings me a great deal of joy, but I now have something that I'll be able to pass down to my kids if they want it. It'll bring them joy and it'll still work. So when it came time to buy... Things that last. Things that last. So when it came time to buy a new pair of boots, I didn't want to buy another pair of fashion boots that I'll wear for a year. I wanted to buy something that I'll be able to have Maybe not for the rest of my life, but for years, five years, 10 years. Sure. And you say, shoes last for five years? No way. Oh, yeah, there's lots of shoes out there that are still made. So what did I go with? Well, I went with the Red Wing because Red Wing makes amazing shoes. They always have. They've been around for 110 years making shoes. They know what they're doing. And they have the most amazing repair service anywhere all of their shoes are designed to be repaired they're not just every inch of them every inch they're not designed to be comfortable yes they are designed to be comfortable that's not you know they're not just designed to look good they look cool but they're designed to last and they're designed to be repaired when they're worn down the way that they're built they're built so that they can be resold in a straightforward way. That feels very old-fashioned to me. Yeah. You know? And there are not a lot of places or companies or things around that are designed with this in mind. And they even offer they even offer a service so that you can go and you can get your boots serviced. And that's a fascinating thing that they have these services that you can go and you send your shoes away and they come back basically rebuilt brand new. They get a whole section on their website about it. They say it takes more than 230 steps to handcraft a pair of red wing boots and you can send them in for being repaired. It says one of these steps of keeping your shoes in good condition is resoling and repairing your red wings before the damage becomes irreversible. They have their very own repair shop at their Red Wing, Minnesota manufacturing facility. And these boots are not cheap. They cost hundreds of dollars, $200, $300. You're like, whoa, but, that is a lot. But I will not need to buy another pair right. of boots again unless I want to. That's not two or $300 over the span of a year. That's two or $300 over the span of five to 10 years. Or, or 20 years. Right, exactly. I know people who have had these boots for well over 20 years. I don't think a lot of people remember to factor in length of use with price. You know what I mean? Right. Because everything is so disposable, like you said. You know, it's like $400 for this one thing, but I'm only, I'm only going to have this for a few months or a year or use it one time or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I am making an investment. I'm making an investment. And in I'm, the item. I'm 45 years old. I know what I like. 
I'm not going through style changes every three months like I did when I was 19. I know the things that I like. I know what my style is. And I know that I keep things in good condition when I, when I keep you them. You take care of I take stuff. care of things. Yeah. And so you can send these boots in when they need it, maybe in five years from now, maybe it's 10 years from now. And for a hundred, hundred bucks, maybe a little over a hundred bucks, 125 bucks, they'll resole them, put on new heels, repair hooks and eyelets, repair minor stitching, replace welting if needed, replace the cork layer under the insole, replace laces, recondition the uppers. And they even send you back home with a container of leather conditioner. So nice. But you don't need all of that. You don't have to pay for all of that. You can do a la carte stuff. But imagine that for 125 bucks every five or 10 years, you basically get a whole new pair of shoes because leather only improves with age. Oh, yeah. And once those boots are really comfortable and broken in, you don't want to trade them out. I just think it's uh, I just think it's pretty cool. And you know what? You don't even have to ship them. You go to your local Red Wing store and they'll ship them there and back for you. That's so nice. But like there's something really cool about this. You know, they are made... To last, things that are built to last, whether it's your watch or your shoes. Uh, you know, the bag that I carry now, my backpack is a, a Filson bag and it's a wax canvas. And I went through looking at, I don't know, a dozen bags. I would oh, yeah, buy one and then return and it, and buy another and return it, buy another and return it. Because I couldn't find something that seemed to me like it was made out of something high quality that it was really going to last. And that's the thing I want to be able to, I know what I like. So I want that thing to last. And that's what I would say to you all listening. When you are thinking about the thing to buy, make it something that will last. If you're thinking about signing up for a service, if you're thinking about uh, partnering with another company, if you're thinking about hiring somebody, Make the decision the same way. Is this something that will last? Will this, which may be more expensive now, but will it eliminate difficulties down the road? Will it save you time? Will it wind up saving you money? It's a whole thing of leasing versus buying a car. You know, I, I've bought many cars. I've leased many cars. But I recommend buying a car. And if you're willing to buy a car that's slightly used. Buy a car that's one or two years old. That way, that huge hit that a car takes in devaluation when you drive it off the lot has already been absorbed by somebody else and you benefit from that. And now you have a car that's almost new and like new and maybe even warranted from the dealership where you got it. But you're saving a huge amount of money by doing it. Then there is no shame in that. You're being smart. I'm not saying I want to buy used boots, but I know someone that does buy used boots and wears them because they last forever and there's nothing wrong with them. And see, that's the difference in philosophy that we have today than we used to have. People are like, well, that's old. Well, no, it's not old. It's just not brand new. And there's nothing wrong with that. And also something not being brand new doesn't mean that it doesn't work. I think a lot of people like new things. They love opening stuff up. Anyway, that was my my big thought is when you're out there and what can you do? Turn this back around to yourself. What can you do to create something that not only makes people want to share it like we were talking about before, but that they feel 
they're going to be investing in. It's something that's going to last. You know, I've had people in fire in the fireside chat say, Dan, it would really be great if you could add this one feature. And I'll say, you know what? I can add that for you. I'll roll it out tomorrow. And then the next day I roll it out and they're like, oh my God, is this, this is going to help me so much. And, and the reason I'm willing to do that is because I value the customer's opinions. I value what they, uh, what they say and how they think things should work. But I also know that it's a two-way street. If they say, you know what, I wanted a feature and like Dan made the feature and rolled it out for me. What chances do you think there are now that they're going to switch to another provider for podcast right. hosting? You're, they're invested in you, so you invest in them? That's right. And they know that it's not BS. They wanted a feature. We rolled out a feature. And they're happy. Do you think they're going to get that with company XYZ? Definitely not. They don't care. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's not something we're going to do. Well, I'll do it because it's going to make Fireside better and it's going to make their experience better. And guess what? Now they've got a story to tell. Now they can say, you know what? Another reason I like Fireside is they're very responsive. I told them about a problem I had and they fixed it for me the next day. That's pretty powerful. That's a story that they're going to tell when someone says, where should I host my show? You should host it here. Why? Well, because it's awesome. Oh yeah, everything's awesome. Well, here's another reason. And that goes back around to getting people to genuinely talk about something, you know, that they love and and enjoy. You know what else I love and enjoy? What? Squarespace. Me too. Beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything online. The ability to customize the look and feel, the settings, the products, everything with just a few clicks. A website that's optimized for mobile right out of the box. And you can even buy domains and choose from over 200 domain name extensions. Wow. Built-in analytics, built-in search engine optimization, nothing to patch or upgrade, 24-7 award-winning customer support. You want to make a website? Do it with Squarespace. Do it yourself. Make it yourself. Squarespace is a tool to use. So go check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your new site, whether you're selling stuff or you just want to put up a page about your kid or your wedding or your new app that you built or your blog. Or your cat. Well, (laughs) go to squarespace.com and use the offer code QUIT to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's right. Squarespace.com offer code is QUIT. Save 10% off your first purchase. Thanks very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. Boom. Well, we do need your thoughts. We do need your feedback. We want to do a big uh, listener show. Yeah. So the sooner you send those in, the sooner we can do it. Go to 5x5.tv slash contact. Click the link for quit and we'll get a special email subject line that'll let me see it right away. We'll put it down. We'll print it out. We'll do a show with your thoughts, your comments, your feedback. So do that. If you've ever wanted to write, you know what? We may only do the one more show. That might be it. Yeah, we might be calling it so this quits might be in your, 2017. Yeah, this might be your last chance to ever have your letter read on quit and have us try and help you out. So now is the time to do it. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. Hattie is Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird, pretty much everywhere. And uh, we appreciate you listening. and We look forward to talking to you again real soon. Have a good one. 